Hello, this is Sebastian Ritterbusch and I would like to give you a short introduction into today's episode. It's fall and the lectures at the university are about to start and Gudrun Täter and Jonathan Rolin are offering the lecture Advanced Mathematics for Mechanical Engineering. This is the first part of a three-semester course for international students and as these students are at the university for the first time in their life, Gudrun and Jonathan would like to take the chance and give the students and of course all our other listeners an idea on how studying at the university is different from studying and learning at school. So they also would like to give a first insight into mathematical thinking and why this is so important for studying of mechanical engineering. Also, they would like to cover what topics will be touched in the next three semesters and what kind of applications can relate to that. As this podcast is covering models, research and teaching, of course, this episode will be concentrated on the teaching of mathematics to mechanical engineering and I hope you will enjoy it. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. So today we are sitting in my office um, thinking about uh, the term which is in front of us. Right. And um, together we will teach advanced mathematics for a course of um, persons who want to become mechanical engineers. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. And of course, everybody who decides to become a mechanical engineer knows that mathematics um, will be uh, an important part, at least during the first years. And so in a way, they are prepared that there will some lessons which are connected to mathematics. And in our case, they are called advanced mathematics. Um, but um, our experience, and I think I can speak in in our both names in that, is that uh, they are not really prepared for what mathematics then means uh, when coming to university. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so um, we were thinking that it might be a good idea to take uh, a bit of time to discuss this between uh, in between us and to give that um, to our new students in order that ha they have some extra um, information what to expect and how to go through that year together with us in, in the best possible way. Uh, we decided to start this conversation with our main advice, so kind of uh, the tips how to survive mathematics education at university. So, um, Jonathan, in your opinion, what is kind of a main thing um, our future students should keep in mind? Yeah, I think, first of all, it's important not to be afraid of math or of mathematics in general. So um, try to be open for this, for this material. Try to be curious and try to get interested in this, in this abstract uh, mathematics. And I think you will be surprised how quickly you get into these notions and into these methods we're going to use and we're going to show you. Uh, so this is like from the beginning on try try to try to get an idea of this what we are actually doing and f important for this to to really um find into this math your way it's to sit down and and work on your own and try to um yeah we're going to post you some homework problems um try to solve them try to work on this um try to recall what was in the lecture And that's the front point, do it on your own, but on the other hand, also discuss this with other people. So meet some of your colleagues. Uh, there are so many other students around at the same situation, uh, and it's really important to meet them and to discuss also math, uh, mm. and to discuss your problems and explain if you already understood something and ask for help if you didn't understand something. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um of advice on that yeah, <laughs> maybe that's... just a, a bit too much um, for for just one sentence yeah right <laughs> so because um in principle the structure um, of the course will be that there are lectures right and um of course um, for the lectures there's also a manuscript so in a way um you could expect that what you find in a manuscript uh, will be um, kind of repeated in the lecture Then we have um, problem classes 
in order to solve problems, which you already referred to, uh, are put out every week for right. you to work with. And uh, at the very beginning, we will also have tutorials, which kind of um, help you to be prepared for the problem class. And this is kind of uh, all kinds of things are um, trying to help you to understand mathematics on different levels. Because um, in the lecture, of course, we won't really repeat what's in the script because this makes no sense for nobody, not for the lecturer, which will be me, nor for the students, which uh, would have to listen to something which they already find in a written version in front of them. But it's just a big different thing whether someone explains this stuff to you. I mean, in the lecture, you will not see the exact sentences as they're written in the script, but there will be several ways explanation ex things will be explained in two or three ways uh, and just having someone drawing the particular picture for you or pointing you to the important part of a definition that makes a huge difference yeah that's always what i kind of um, try to do in my lectures is that um i in the kind of in um when i'm speaking uh, i can make things also the connections between things can become more clear than in a written version. Because a written version is always kind of linear. Of course, you can also jump uh, back a few pages if you see that somehow you didn't really grasp a concept which was touched upon uh, two pages earlier. Um, but um, you, in a way, by writing things down, you really have to make this a linear story. Exactly, and just math is something that builds on top of each other. So it's in some later section, you will refer and use all the concept introduced in the beginning, and you will not always uh, mention this again now because this on page uh, seven we introduced this, this and this concept that just used, and in the lecture you can paint all the recall or recall that was this and this we did two weeks ago, and in the written version you will see some some name and you may just make no sense of it at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, um, even if at the beginning it feels a bit awkward, um, the students should really use the time during the lecture to ask. Uh, even, you know, if they kind of see a symbol, uh, which at the moment doesn't really make sense to them, um, you can ask, of course, either your neighbor, which could already be helpful, <laughs> or you can ask the person in front of the blackboard, uh, because that's also a human being which can be asked. You can't really ask your script, but right, the person you can ask. Not answer. Yeah. And then, of course, um, nevertheless, um, it will be important not only to really uh, go to the lectures and follow them in a, I would say, passive way, so just listening. Um, you should really work also with the script, so kind of comparing if what you're reading is a thing which you already know from the lecture or the other way around that you work first with the script and then you see how the things which the lecturer puts on the blackboard really refer to the things in the script and if there are gaps um, that you can jump to them and ask the questions which, which remain there. Yeah, I think in, in everyday life it will be more this way. First going to lecture and listening and thinking, oh, makes sense or maybe you know, can't follow this. And then later on working on this uh, while solving problems, coming back to the lecture, how was this actually, how did it, how, the, can't it, how does this work out, how mm. can I solve this problem? And that, that makes sense, I think. Yeah, and of course also the uh, script is kind of an archive of things which already happened in the lecture before. And when you don't really remember them so well, you can go back and read the things up in a, in a correct way or in a way which doesn't leave any gaps Exactly. So they're all usually there should be all steps uh, written down which are needed to to follow the arguments. Mm. And um, the, this is kind of everything which relates to the lecture more or less. Um, for the the problem class is the thing where we as persons doing mathematics always think this is even the more important place to learn things. Um, yeah, it's maybe not more important i think it just builds on the lecture yeah? so without having the lecture you could not solve any problem uh, so still the problem classes are there to solve problems of course that's uh, that's how it's called the name, the problem yes. class um, and it's really about applying stuff you did in the lecture so you learn in the lecture maybe something about complex numbers um, 
and then later on you get a phaser problem where you could do some calculations with the complex numbers and then you first go back to the complex number definition and see what is, how does it work to add two complex numbers so how does it work to multiply them uh, it's not clear from the beginning uh, but without having this done before uh, without having done on your own uh, you will kind of see oh yeah it makes sense and, but still it kind of it doesn't sit in your brain in your mind uh, without having it done by your own with your own pen mm-hmm. on your own paper Yes, and um, very often the situation will be that you read uh, the problem and um, in the first moment it doesn't really make a lot of sense to you. And then it's always helpful, firstly, for example, to discuss with your colleagues. How do they understand it? And even uh, when they are formulating why they don't understand something, this is already starting a process where you learn because then you have to use the names which we defined in the lecture and think about what they are meaning and what they don't mean. (laughs) Yeah, right. So So while kind of um, explaining to each other what you don't understand, you already learn something. And step by step, very often the problems make much more sense. Right. And also the other round, if you are someone who thinks, oh, I understand already things, and you try to explain this to to others, and then they... uh, seem not to follow your arguments then maybe you didn't understand this entirely maybe there's some case which you didn't see or maybe you get it not slightly wrong or maybe you can't it just always helps also to formulate your own thoughts and what you think you've already understood yeah and um, i'm always kind of referring to this process of getting knowledge from your brain to your stomach yeah because uh, a lot of things which you see for the first time You can really, after a while, you order them very well in your brain and everything sits somewhere, but the connections to each other are not very lively. So they feel somehow as if everything is on the right place and you are in a good situation that you understood everything, Um, but only while working with the thing, things become more clear, more familiar, and um, you also see new ways which were not taught in the lecture, but of course they exist anyway. Um, and this is only this is kind of the the aim that things uh, get more and more familiar to you, and in the end you have it in your stomach. And, oh, by uh, heart. Oh, by no things by heart. But no things by heart um, um, always sounds to me as if you should learn this kind of like a I poem see, or see. something like that. But uh, and, and I think the way to, to do mathematics is really to sit down and write down ideas, work with the problems and things like that. And then it becomes more alive, yeah. So before it was like just A theoretical thing. concepts, yeah. theorems, definitions. It kind of, they are logic, they make sense. They kind of, you see the logic from A to B, why is this? Uh, but it, it doesn't do anything. And if you sit down and really working with them, kind of things start... Yeah, start getting alive somehow. Mm. And also, you, if things don't really work out, you understand why certain assumptions are necessary. And if you yeah. don't um, assume certain things, then all the theory breaks down because you find exceptional cases or things like that. That's actually something for if you ever have a theorem and you kind of it has many assumptions. It's always nice to ask why are they necessary. <laughs> so, when preparing the lecture notes right now, there are several cases where I thought, why why should we care about this? Why is this important? And it turns out, yeah, we should mention this at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So um, concerning the the problem classes, um, Jonathan very much um, pointed out that we always encourage you to work together, either just discussing things even if it's just in an informal way or really sitting down to work together on the problems because um, whenever you feel stuck, probably another person in the group will have an idea and then together you go through. And I think um, there is a lot of adrenaline um, in the process of finding out a solution and feeling happy about that. It's much better than to sit there and feel stupid. 
that's for sure and i think it's hard, it's important to kind of uh, work out all this on your own to kind of figure out why this actually works this way uh, it's it's nice to have a formula for something but it's much nicer to actually know why this is this way and can't be different and that there's only this solution there are no other solutions for this problem mm. and of course in the end uh, when we uh, make the exam uh, you will sit on your own but um, having worked in a group I think you're much better prepared because you understand, understood things in a different way and um, feel so familiar uh, with certain ways how to calculate or read uh, what, what um, the problem asks you to do and understand that in a good way and also to formulate um, the answer. So in a way, where should I start um, to make an, the first step and what would be a logical second step that um, other persons can follow my arguments and also follow my, my calculations. Right. So if you only work on your own, you kind of get stuck into your own uh, view mm. and you never, you kind of never get and get some feedback whether this actually makes sense for others. And although it might sound really crystal clear to you, it might just not sound any, makes any sense to us when we are grading your exam. Uh, so it's, it's, it helps a lot uh, to have, have some feedback and to talk to other people about it. On the other hand, of course, um, in the exam, as, as Gudrun already said, you will sit on your own and you will not be able to talk to your neighbor or to your friends. Uh, so on the other hand, you should be prepared for solving and, and writing and so on and thinking also on your own. Um, and therefore, you should not rely always on others. You, know, you should always try to bring in your own ideas, your own problems, your own solutions, and in particular to write down solutions on your own. Uh, this is the best preparation for the exam you can have. Yeah. And um, in a way, of course, a lot of the topics which, which we touch in the mathematics education are really um, certain ways um, to solve problems which you will use really uh, later on. But on the other hand, um, what we teach you in between the lines is how to sit down, read the text, extract what is the main point, what is kind of, uh, what find out what do you know, what's the thing you're looking for, and to, to think about um, what kind of techniques could lead you from what you know to what you want to know. And uh, of course, in our problems, um, very often we refer to a certain technique which we want you to train. Um, and later on, when you're working as an engineer, it's not so clear. But then you're used um, to doing that uh, on kind of uh, smaller problems. And you can do that also for bigger problems where you are more free or have more um, choices from of where you even have the feeling that's not solved up to now. Um, And so in a way, it's kind of, I would say, half and half. So half of the techniques where you really have to learn how to calculate certain things, but the other half is really how to have um, a solid argument with your colleagues to come from point A with certain techniques to a point where you want to end. So where you kind of want to construct something or make something secure. or. Yeah, I think in... in, in maybe real-life problems, it's then more about just figuring out what's actually given, what can we assume, uh, what is known, uh, what is possible, yeah? so which also which ways are not worth to try at all. It's clear that this and this doesn't work, uh, and then figure out how it works and why it works. And Yeah, and so in a way, um, what we will have you doing in your problem sheets is of course partly training you to certain recipes which kind of make your life easier but also the other part is um, to see um, how how you really um, make your brain work kind of yeah in, in, a, in a scientific way right to think in this scientific way to think in this abstract setting yeah to when you have some text given kind of get rid of all the unnecessary information Uh, split your problems into maybe smaller parts which you know how to handle and then bring them together again at the end and yeah and, and also how to you know formulate this actually how to how to write this down at the end mm -hmm. so in a way in this um, first term um, 
maybe it, I should go uh, step one back step. Um, of course, it's clear that mathematical education is really a necessary step in becoming an engineer all over the world. <laughs> And I would say here in Germany, it's even um, more emphasized than maybe somewhere else. Um, and um, it's not so this kind of between two and three terms uh, where we have kind of advanced mathematics courses. And uh, for the mechanical engineering here in Karlsruhe, we um, chose or kind of fought for having the time. <laughs> having three semesters. Yeah, because we could always feel, uh, feel, of course, much more, but we have three semesters. Fill the whole course. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is kind of... And so we, we have just um, three semesters uh, where we try to put in all kind of the standard, basic, I would say, mathematical education. And um, of course, um, this consists of different parts of mathematics. So what is um, even basic also for persons becoming mathematicians is um, calculus and algebra, so kind of the... Uh, basic algebra, which we very often call linear algebra. So having equations and solutions. Genau. So uh, kind of um, reformulating structures and um, knowing about structures and their properties and things like that. So we will have these parts also in the advanced mathematical education. And then um, we will have some uh, parts where we talk about how to put something into a computer, so which we call a numerical mathematics or scientific um, calculation computing. or scientific computation. Uh, but also here we can only touch on kind of basic ideas because uh, there is a whole universe of but algorithms. There and will be advanced courses for this, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's and kind of everything in that um, builds on a first basic step, but then there's also interconnections. So there's really a kind of a network of connections between all these concepts. And um, it's kind of, um, there is not one best possibility to find a linear way in explaining all these topics to new students. Yeah, so if you consider different books, you will find different uh, presentations, different orders, uh, different formulations and it's uh, yeah not we chose one yeah so in our choice um, we spent uh, one semester in doing um, basic concepts and calculus and then uh, we switched to uh, linear algebra and then we go back to calculus and things like that yeah there are some already in the second part on, on calculus there are lots of uh, connections to this linear algebra part actually mm -hmm. Yeah, where we kind of um, take a first step with where we can live without the linear algebra, then we introduce the linear algebra, and then we can use the linear algebra in order to do our calculus better. Right, exactly. That's how it is. Yeah. And um, you could say, um, of course, a, a few things in calculus you already know from school, no matter uh, what school you attended and in which country and um, unto which kind of level. Um, but um, it's kind of a standard procedure in mathematical education also for persons becoming mathematicians to kind of go back to a starting point and, for example, to speak about what are numbers. Yeah, right. So we, that's kind of the first topic from the first lecture. Uh, I assume I didn't teach here. <laughs> uh, so what is a number or what are the the numbers, all these different kinds of numbers. And of course, then you could feel again the whole course alone with this topic, If you're at least if you're a mathematician. So for engineers, it's one lecture, but still it's important to make clear what actually are we talking about. Yeah, so this is one of the fundamental uh, objects we're always using, yeah, numbers. You know, all, the, all the time we're using numbers in that course. Yeah, and um, there's already one kind of... Um danger hidden in that because uh, you could feel um, that you know everything about numbers from school and when we start to speak about numbers you don't really listen very well <laughs> it's the first lecture everybody yeah, yeah. is still listening of yeah course. they are still listening but uh, kind of um, you would like to go on further a little bit faster 
Um, but what we really try to do with the numbers and also later on uh, building on concepts is to use something which you already know, kind of on a technical level or as a recipe or how to calculate with that and use that knowledge of which is already in your brain and kind of lift it to a new level. We could say to an abstract level, uh, but it's not um, that abstract. But um, something which you already know should find a well-defined place in the universe of mathematics, which we will use at university. And so um, we will start in a way which seems very similar to things which you learned already at, at school, but then we will start to do things a bit differently. You will see that the things you already know from school fall nicely into place. Yeah, that when we're talking about some more general objects or some more general notions, then this things from school still appear as special cases, which kind of give one way to do this. But maybe you can now do it in two dimensions, not only in one dimension, or you can do it for infinitely large objects, not only for finitely thing, finite things. But mm. and um, in order to be able to do that. Of course, we really need um, to relate to things you already know uh, from school. And that's why we really start with speaking about these things again. And then we go on further uh, using it in new context. Yeah, and it's also important, in particular, if we have now international students uh, in different parts of the world, different notation is used, different words are used, uh, maybe also different introduction to this topic is used. So we need to get onto one Uh, on the same grounds, on the same words. And so That's true. That's also one reason. And even for, for the German students, they come from different schools and we use that to really have a, a playing level. Uh, so a playing field where everybody knows what's really meant when I write down a symbol or use a certain word uh, and describing the things. Uh, one special case in the numbers are the complex numbers. Uh, sometimes... Um, Our students already know about them, or at least partly, and other students don't. And nevertheless, the complex numbers are really important um, helping tool uh, for mechanical engineering, also in, in parts which are not really mathematical, but for example in electrical engineering and things where you use transformations and then um, have a good way uh, to explain that in, with the help of complex numbers. So um, this is could be the first place where you hear something which is really new. Right, exactly. Some parts of complex numbers part, chapter will be new to everybody, I think. Uh, so maybe everybody has heard that I squared is equal to minus one. Uh, but why this is actually the case, it's maybe not by coincidence, but there might be some something behind that uh, that could be new to most people. Yes, and of course, this is also a point where we really make you calculate with these new numbers and you could consider this uh, to be like a very applied things because you really have to calculate something but on the other hand uh, it's also a place where if you go a step back and look at the things which we teach you at the lecture course and ask you to do in the problem class in order to be able to do these calculations you really have to have an abstract idea What, um, for example, putting one complex number and adding it to another complex number, what shall that mean? Exactly. Yeah. So what is, what is a, a sensible definition for that? Yeah, it might be the first place. So it's clear what it means to add two numbers as you used to. But now you have some two objects which are from scratch can't be added somehow. And now we mathematicians just define what we want to have it. Yeah? Or maybe it's quite natural to have this definition of, a, of adding two complex numbers, but it's like on a very abstract setting, we start putting some rules, and now you should be carry out these rules, yeah? and you should follow these rules. And this is, for me, it feels really different than just adding two real numbers or two integers. It's a different thing, different kind of operation. Yeah? And you could also think about making up your own operation on complex numbers and call this whatever and then see what, what can happening. you deduce what's happening yeah. with this space yeah. and um, for multiplication it gets even more weird I yes, would say uh, yeah. so you should maybe then think of uh, that it kind of 
makes sense together with the given addition and multiplication, but that you kind of don't very violate the rules for these other operations, but yeah. Yeah. So in, in a way, um, there's already um, a point very early on in the teaching of mathematics um, to engineers where there you can't really make a difference between um, learning recipes. You could consider learning how to do the calculations like following a recipe and um, learning structures which lead to useful recipes. So and in a way you should, at the end you should see both things. Maybe at the very beginning it's easier to follow recipes, but um, depending on, on your nature you might be inclined not to follow recipes and need a motivation why the recipe is a good one. And that would be a good point um, to do some mathematics in order to understand why the recipes we are teaching you are good recipes. Right, and also maybe you come up with some problems where, where you kind of could apply your recipe, but it might take so long, or it might be just really uh, strange calculations. And maybe you see, if you understand the, the definitions below, you might see a much easier way to do these calculations. Yeah, for, for multiplying two complex numbers, that, there's not only one recipe how to do this. You know, at least they see at least two or three ways to do this. And if you understand the structure below, you might be able to easier deduce which way you should go, which makes more sense. For me personally, this is one of the beauties of the complex number that um, you can put them, uh, so you can define them coming from different um, ideas and you end up with different recipes. And in the end, you can translate each universe in the other one. And um, depending on what you like most, you can choose the recipe you like the best and make all calculations in that way. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see all these things working together. And it's very nice to see how these different points of view really coincide and how they, how they I mean, at, at the beginning might look like it's a very big coincide that these two worlds are the same, actually. But if you do the proof, uh, then you gain a lot of insight into this concept of complex numbers. Mm. Now you mentioned one word, <laughs> which is always kind of uh, proof, because this is one thing yeah. which is always yeah. asked, will there be proofs in the exam, which kind of uh, the, the bad things. And um, I think what um, Jonathan tried to also tell everybody is that, of course, um, we have to have certain proofs in the lecture, because only through the proofs we can see why certain things work the way they work or for example to prove that certain things don't work also good yeah mm -hmm. so if you have a counter example <laughs> that's the proof of something which doesn't work that's a proof yeah i think it's for for non-mathematicians it's hard to get an idea of what is a proof for a mathematician sometimes yeah if you haven't seen a math lecture before you really can't judge what is a proof And you're kind of afraid of it. It looks always complicated. Mm. <laughs> But it could be as easy as just a counterexample, right? Yeah, because in a way, the proof is just um, a name for having an argument, kind of on a logical basis, where you can convince another person that something is true or something is false. Yeah, it's, it's right. It's, it always depends also on the, on, your, on the other person what is a proof, yeah, for... No matter, uh, depending on what who's sitting or reading this, uh, you might need different proofs. Yeah, there's not one proof of uh, of each of the theorems we have in the lecture. For some people, it might be like, yes, of course, this is just clearly true, and for others, you need like pages of explanation because you need to go back into very very details to convince this person. Yeah, because in a way, this relates to the fact that you take certain things as being true. And building from these true facts uh, a new true fact, yeah. Yeah, right. So it always depends on which uh, your uh, your the other person what what uh, this person already thinks is correct and what is kind of part of the f true world of the world and what it needs to be put there. Yeah, every proof kind of puts a new fact into into the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, of course, there are certain uh, structure um, proofs, uh, which we also um, will be part of the lecture. 
So just to show certain things which uh, work well for us mathematicians, like recipe. But um, in general, uh, one can never be sure what um, kind of proof is the best proof for a certain new argument. Yeah, this is also depends on just the people. Yeah, Some people like pictures and they, if they see the right picture, they right away are convinced and also see the, the details behind. Others need a clearly written uh, chain of logical arguments. That really depends on people. Yeah, There are also many different mathematicians yeah, making different proofs. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and um, of course, um, a thing where it's really big, also let's say we were just um, putting proof like there is a new fact and we start out um, working with numbers and then sometimes certain facts seem so clear that you don't really know what you should prove there. But I think um, the first step uh, where it becomes really clear that you need uh, to prove that certain things are true uh, when we um, start to work with um, infinity. So like um, we very often start with um, sequences of things so and to see if a sequence of something um, has a point where it turns to and we call that convergence and um, to find ways to prove that uh, there is really convergence or there is no convergence of course a picture can give a hint but it's very often not really a proof yeah for convergence not yeah you would need to put infinitely many detailed pictures <laughs> And so there, there we really need uh, proofs. And um, I kind of think, uh, at least that's always the feeling when I'm teaching the course, that's also like taking the next step. So first we kind of uh, use the numbers and to try to connect what's very well known from school to a new level. And um, working a little bit with complex numbers already makes... Um, um, place for mathematics in the brain and then we do the next step with the sequences and uh, very often it's when you see that for the first time it really feels like um, a thing with, without any motivation it looks so strange well let's say it's, it's a thing where at the very beginning you don't really know which tools can help you to work with That's the structure. Right. So, so it might be the first place where you have a property which you don't have a picture for. Yeah, You have a so this kind of sequence and this proof or this proof that is written on the blackboard tells you that it should converge, that it has this property, but you don't see why or you don't see, don't see what does it make, what does it make, uh, what does it... Um, What does it mean, yeah? So what does it mean to be convergent for this sequence? What does, and it's, now you have an abstract proof and you kind of first need to kind of build this new way of thinking on this abstract setting, yeah. Mm. And of course, um, that's one of the standard ways um, for mathematicians to do new steps in calculus, to work with uh, objects which... Uh, kind of are infinitely many objects, but have one point, which is the convergence point. And this will uh, repeat itself on different levels, always building one on top of the other. Yeah, so this convergence of this notion of conversion is for sure one of the most important definitions in the beginning of among those which are new, it's it will be repeated lots of lots of time in the course, basically in every other chapter there will be some convergence involved uh, so this is really important to get the idea of this and really and also on a, not only if you have a conversion of some numbers you might be clear if they get smaller and smaller and smaller but stay positive that they kind of converge to zero uh, but also on this abstract setting what does it mean for a sequence to converge if it's just objects maybe which are even not numbers but maybe whatever they are mm. and of course the um... The thing which helps us to govern um, working with convergence is to measure distances right? and right. then to prove that a certain distance goes to zero because um, the distance to this convergence point gets um Yeah, so you already mentioned nearer, basically nearer. the definition of a limit, yeah, yeah. So that the, the distance to that limit gets smaller. So it gets smaller than every single epsilon number. 
that you can choose. Yeah, you can choose one over a million, and at some point it should be closer to the limit than one over a million. Yeah, and in a way this is a simple idea, but um, putting the simple idea really to your stomach takes a bit of time. Right, for sure. If you haven't seen this before, it will. you will need to work with this, and you will need to see examples. Uh, so first you need to see the definition in the lecture, then you need to see examples, then you need to calculate some of these on your own and see how this dependency yeah, in the formal definitions, there appear some variables like this epsilon I already mentioned, how does this, and some big N usually, so how does they play together, what, what's the notion of this? And as soon as you did it once or twice on your own, and you get this also feedback on this that actually your picture that now you have in mind is right, then you can actually have understood this notion of convergence. Yeah. Yes, and after we worked with um, this um, notion of distance and of, of converging to something in, uh, in the way that the distance becomes as small um, as you like, uh, we step back kind of from the abstract level um, to speaking about typical functions. And of course, some of these typical functions you remember from school. So it's kind of, uh, again, putting you to something where you feel more secure. But um, as with the numbers, we will also make a new step. So introducing functions which most of you have never heard of and which are kind of also very funny, maybe. <laughs> yeah, see them for the draw the thing. right pictures. They look funny, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or they have funny names. Yeah. Yeah, funny names, yes. And... Um, Then we will work with um, things like um, calculating a value of a function at a certain place, if it's a one-dimensional function or even uh, more than one-dimensional. And um, if you have the value of the functions to find the place uh, where the function has the value, so kind of inverting a function. And um, of course... For certain functions, you know this very well from school. So like um, division is the inverse of multiplication and minus is kind of the inverse of adding things. But for other functions, it's not that clear cut what is kind of the inverse uh, function. Right, so you want to reverse uh, this process of, of this mapping, uh, mapping one object to other objects or numbers to numbers. Uh, and I mean, first of all, you need to think about... Uh, What does it mean exactly to reverse or to invert a function? And then the second step is, of course, what does a mathematician always ask then? Does this exist at all? Uh, so this is the very um, popular question among mathematicians. If there are some objects to ask whether this exists. Uh, and you will see that it doesn't exist, exist always. You know, there are functions which don't have inverses. And we're going to see examples of this. And you should determine at some point for some functions whether they have inverses or not and if if they have how they look like and how they behave yes and of course we introduce um, the notion of function and certain types of functions because they are good tools um, to speak about processes which as a mechanical engineer you will have to control and um, then uh, you will have the problem using this function and for example inverting the application of the function And so what we are kind of playing with on the mathematical side has a real application um, in doing mechanical stuff later on. And functions for sure will appear all the time in your in your studies and also later in, in your real, when you're working with this. I think you just probably at some point you're going to just feel that it's still thinking about functions, but whenever you have some some graph of, of some process this is a function basically yeah. yeah and then you just look at the graph and um, translate it to a function so like if it um, goes down very fast it's kind of an um, an inverse ex exponential so if exponential which is decaying or if it's growing really fast it's probably like an exponential function or if it's oscillating it will be some like sine or cosine and yeah so this is kind of a preparational step in order to make your life as a mechanical engineer later on easier. But on the other hand, it's also kind of a playing field for us in order to introduce certain mathematical concepts which make it possible only to work with functions in the way you will do later on um, without even thinking about it. And then um, when, when you remember the mathematical basic for it, 
you won't do too many stupid things with your functions later on. Right, if you know how they behave and what they can do and what they can't do, yeah. So there will be surprising uh, counterexamples at some places uh, where functions don't behave like you would expect them or what you like. You would like them to expect uh, to behave. Uh, if you know this and if you always take care of this, then, then you can avoid many very mistakes later. Yeah. Um, then after working with functions, we kind of see that um, certain definitions are still not possible uh, with this kind of preparation of knowing about numbers and sequences and certain elementary functions. So the next step is to work with series. And um, with series, it's again like with sequences. In a way, as mathematicians, we don't really make such a big difference between series yeah. because kind of series are also can be considered as being a sequence. But of course, um, as objects, they are really something um, more abstract because you take um, sums over finite parts of your sequence and then you consider the sequence of these sums. And that it's kind of a funny thing that there are really such infinite sums which can be um, given some value. Yeah, so that's for me uh, one of the most surprising things that I remember from I don't know whether we had this in school or in the first uh, first year of studies that you can take an infinite sum and it still has a reasonable value which is not clearly infinitely large and still it could be as small as you want. Yeah? You can sum infinitely many numbers, real numbers and they sum up to one for some strange reason. Yeah, And then thinking about this, of course you first need to um, make this... Uh, a rigorous statement what does it mean to sum infinitely numbers and when, if you think about this as a process it takes infinitely long yeah you can never will never end up and doing this so there should be some other way of defining this um, and why this sum now should be one at say so to say and then lots of lots of interesting mathematics arises from series yeah and that's also uh, one of the topics where when mathematic mathematicians invented that, they really came from completely different questions uh, and ended up trying to understand sequences and series and um, made uh, stupid mistakes, at least stupid from our point of view. So mistakes which in your exam won't be really nice. But um, this is because um, you really have to work with the concepts a little bit in order to understand them and to make them kind of um, not leaving any gaps for things to happen. And for that, we will have to study a few recipes, how to find out um, about conversions and non-conversions. And um, there will even be a new topic, which is um, the, when you use serious um there might be uh, that they are converging for certain circumstances and don't converge for other circumstances. So we will speak about a so-called radius of convergence and how to calculate that. And um, in the end, it will be um, possible to define some of our elementary functions with the help of series. Right, and this is a very important part of this chapter on series that you actually can represent functions using this series. All that might, in the beginning, might sound strange. Why should it be better to have an infinite sum uh, giving your function? But as it turns out, whenever you think about computers, that these computers are actually using this series to calculate that functions. Yeah. Yeah, and of course they um, won't calculate an infinite series, but they will right. cut it at a certain point and the approximation will be good enough. And so this is already a first point where we do some numerics. In some sense, we probably won't call it at that point numerics and we will not, yeah, we would, we'll talk about it. Uh, but this is of course always when you're working with a computer, you should keep that in mind, yeah, that your computer cannot add up infinitely, num infinitely many numbers and on the other hand it doesn't know what, does sine of x mean? You cannot know for any number x, know exactly what is this number sine of x. Uh, so it has the series behind, but it can't, again, can't calculate this infinitely long. So there will be some error term, and we're going to estimate that error term. Yeah. 
And um, in a way, you can consider this as being uh, something which is really very much applied. Because if the computer is using that and you are using the computer, you will have to leave, live with the errors the computer is doing. And you should know about that. And on the other hand, it's really a very abstract mathematical theory. Yeah. Right. It's, I think, uh, one of the most fundamental uh, parts of calculus all over to have theories and to make give, the to, error to estimates. Consider, yeah, also mm. the error estimates and just to consider functions away from this, you know, known function like exponential function, sine function or uh, logarithm or whatever to have an abstract notion of a function which can be described in this series representation and then to deduce some problems, uh, some statements, properties, and yeah. some properties yeah. of these functions. So we will really play around with that and define new types of functions. Yeah, exactly. Which um, are partly just for the sake of uh, using the new tool and partly functions which are really used in applications. Right, and Even also if you don't know them from school. And for some parts, it might be also easier to actually, instead of using this original definition, to go to the series and apply your operation on the function you want to do, whatever, taking the derivative or something else. Uh, it might be easier to do on a series, actually. Yeah, even if beforehand we said that the series is such a mysterious thing. Right, and uh, we, we hope that at the end of this chapter and series, or maybe not at that chapter, but at the end uh, of the class, uh, the series are no longer so mysterious things. Yeah. And then um, the next really important step to do is to speak about um, so-called derivatives. Or in the end, it will be kind of a differential calculus which we just do for one of uh, the so functions which one with one a variable at the very beginning. And um, some of you know that from school, some don't. And uh, what you know from school very often is not very much connected in applications, but is more like um, knowing certain recipes, how to calculate a derivative and not really combining it to some background in theory. Yeah, so I think what might be many people know already is like the connection between speed and uh, and the, the the velocity and or the relation between the if you're driving a car how how far you get and how far, how fast you are moving that this is kind of a relation that is connected to differentials uh, to derivatives. Yeah, and of course um, if you're um, coming from a German school, very often the derivative is only misused in order to um, speak about um, suprema, uh, speak about maximum and minimum of functions and things like that. And people forget about what the derivative really means because they are so trained to using that only for that. Yeah, so there are many, many points where you can use derivatives. Yeah, so this is also about this extremal value problems, uh, but there's much more, of course. Again, there's this builds this again one of the fundamental parts of, of calculus how to take derivatives, and also in the next chapter, how to take anti derivatives or integrals. Um, so that uh, at least we're going to mention, I think, three different kinds of applications. So we have this. Uh, for extremal problems, of course, because it's, it's a nice tool for this. Um, but also and so in the, of one of the best developed ones. Probably, if you can yeah. calculate a derivative, you're on a safe ground. Right, and then you, that's also nice you how, how to put it in a computer and so. And then second is the geometric um, yeah, view on derivatives, so having slopes of, of certain lines in your graph. And... Uh, third is of course that you actually want to use this later for these integrals yeah but of course um, you can again consider this as being like a mathematical theory which uh, grows from theoretical arguments um, as we will focus on mainly in the lecture but um, th these um, tools were really developed in order to solve real life applications so For sure, yeah. uh, in order to really understand more about processes, um, you are asking yourself how, um, for example, the growth of something depends on the variable in the process or the decay. Uh, and um, if you can 
um, have kind of data in time and make a function out of that. And then um, making the steps smaller and smaller, the concepts where you end up is always something which is like a derivative. Yeah, so it might be just possible or not possible to measure your function directly, but it might be only possible to measure the differences or the changes over time. And then you get a derivative or get an approximation of the derivative and then you actually want to know how to get back to the function. Yeah, yeah. and this is something um, which is a very typical application uh, when you really kind of have only observations and want to make sense of your observations to make it a function. So you really have a look at the changes and the velocity of the changes. And um, so the derivative is one possibility to do that. And also, on the other hand, you could come from um, trying to work out um, areas, so kind of measuring in a certain area where you only know the line which um, is on top of this area. So it's not just like a triangle or something with, with uh, four points where you have formulas, but something which is just described by um, the curve around it. And to know what its area in between is kind of a very applied question. And in a way, you can really only answer that on um, um, a method which always works with the help of so-called integrals. Right, so I think we're just talking about integrals, right? Mm. Then. <laughs> no, um, no the thing is, in my head, this, this is kind of strongly connected. So for you sure, can yeah, come to sure. derivatives um, over integrals, and you can come to integrals over the idea of a derivative. So they, they are very strong. So as you did, because kind of combining that as being the inverse of the other one. Right, yeah? so that's, I mean, that's for, for students, for sure, like integrals and, de and derivatives are always connected, being like, the inverse of each other so it's called anti-derivative such an integral sometimes um, although of course an integral on its own uh, can be defined completely not connected to derivatives yeah like in calculated some area why should this have any connections to and to a derivative yeah. at the first place it might it has sure uh, but you need to first have have a solid no uh, solid definition of integrals uh, that brings this connection yeah yeah And um, that's why I was referring that is only that um, what's kind of hidden in the story which we tell in the lecture is that um, these concepts, they really were born only out of really real-life applications. So there were really serious questions which couldn't be answered by the tools which we developed in the lecture before that. And so for that, different persons with different questions ended up defining what is a derivative or defining what is an integral and using that as a tool in order to answer their questions. And I think in particular with the integrals, one sees also kind of the, the history very well. Yeah? So there are different notions of integrals. Uh, it's not clear what is the best notion or definition of an integral. There are different, still around different ways to define an integral, which coincide on most cases, but there are some particular cases where one maybe is better than the other. And this is due to history that different people invented integrals and for different purposes, for different kinds of applications. And this is, yeah, very interesting to see. Yeah. And um, in the end of the first semester, we will use all this um, understanding about integrals and understanding about derivatives in order to solve a new type of equations, which include derivatives of the function. Right, so before we had only equations on function uh, on numbers, where we were asking for a certain range of a set of numbers which solved this, and now we are asking for a set of functions which is a solution to this so-called differential equation. Yes, and um, differential equations are really, really important uh, for the applications which you will have to solve later on as mechanical engineer because um, most processes are driven... Um, or can be translated into mathematical language as being a differential equation. And um, in this course, we start with kind of the simplest ones, so where we have just um, a usual derivative of a function with, with one variable. Few, few. Uh... And um, if the processes become more complex, so for example, if you have time and space, 
in a certain relation to each other, of course, also the differential equations become more complex. Right, so this will be then in, in the second semester or even in the third semester when you talk about partial derivatives and uh, partial differential equations, which we also covered, which you probably at that point already have seen in other courses before, yeah. just using recipes, how to solve this, and then we're going to yeah, set up the theory for this and, and tell you why this all works out this way. You already might have already seen by then. Yeah, but uh, of course, in order to be able to make sense of these more complicated um, partial differential equations, it's really useful if you understand the ideas which led to the differential equations with, with which we will end the first semester. So they are interesting in themselves, of course, but they are also interesting because they are kind of a very important building stone for the more complicated structures which will come afterwards. And in particular, in that chapter, we have also some application uh, which tells you how how an electric circuit uh, and a differential equation shows up as kind of a solution for for the state of this of this of this electrical system. And I think this combines very nicely at the end the, the whole the whole theory of this whole course with the applications that you will face later in your studies and then hopefully even later in your in your job yeah and of course in a way uh, nevertheless you will have to trust us that um, based on experience of a lot of years um, teaching and working uh, on the basis of persons doing that before us uh, we chose certain topics in mathematics which in the end make sense for you even if sometimes uh, the motivation is not always at each point very clear Of course, we try to give motivation, but we might not be so successful in your eyes as you would wish for. Um, but um, I hope that there will always be points in time where you see how sims fall together and make new sense to you and give you motivation to follow the mathematics instructions further on. Yeah, right. So in particular with these fundamental concepts in the beginning, there's just the motivation for some of these is just the other mathematics we're going to do later, where we're going to rely on this and not so directly connected to applications in the real world. Uh, but later on, for sure, you will see these connections. And then you might be also able to see, okay, we first need to define uh, this strange set of numbers or this, uh, whatever, this strange notion of convergence in order to make a formal and a clear statement about some other uh, concepts that then are actually used in, and applied. Yes. And of course, um, I think the best thing, as always, um, as Jonathan put this so nice at the very beginning, to keep an open mind. So just see things, uh, new things, and try to make sense of them on your own and to grow in this process as firstly as a human being as well because you learn uh, new things um, you learn about yourself new things even math will teach you a lot about yourself you yeah. know? and also growing as the person you want to become namely to be an engineer in the end which can decide certain things um, reliably for other persons because you know certain things and you are used to have uh, logical arguments with other persons Right, so take this as an advantage above maybe other engineers who didn't have such a solid education in math or in, in formal arguments that you are really able to to understand the problem, to formulate it, to 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 have a reliable, as Kuton said, um, statement, which you can, if necessary, really give a proof in the formal arguments why this is the case and why this then this method will work out as you expect it to work out and not just, oh, you try a bit and maybe it, have, maybe it works, maybe not. But you are able to really um, have a formal and a abstract, on some level abstract uh, way to, to deal with this. Yeah, and abstract in this way just means that you can use it in certain different circumstances right in different languages you know, yeah. that you can take your problem and translate to, to another uh, language where might be several of this information which were before hidden uh, hiding your actual the actual problem now are clearly gone or it's kind of makes things the picture gets clearer and better to view and also 
it also enables you to talk to non-mathematicians in a in a way that they can follow and kind of see why this is not just some magic deep problem and you have some magic how to solve this but to tell them why this magic actually happens why this magic works out yeah and so we are really looking forward now to work with you uh, during the next semester and also during the next three semesters and um, see how things work out for you yeah we're very happy (laughs) 